0: Asia Tech Podcast, Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem.
1: Hi, welcome to Founders in Asia this week. Uh, I'm Jody Collins. I'm the host of Founders in Asia. We're really, really excited to have a special guest this week, Dr. Edward Say. Uh, thank you for joining us, Edward.
2: Oh, you're welcome, Jody, It's nice to meet you online.
1: Great, Yeah. So, look, thank you for joining us. Uh, I've given you a bit of background about what Founders in Asia is about. So uh, we're uh, just heading into this podcast still in quite early days, actually. But what we're looking to explore is the backstory to founders coming up with the idea for their businesses and how they've looked to scale those and build them uh, wherever they may be in Asia. So I think it would be great, first of all, if you could just introduce yourself Tell us a bit about who you are, where you're from, and then we'll get into your business story.
2: Right. Yeah. Thanks again, Jody. Um, I'm very honored to be here on your program and uh, very much like to share my experience, uh, my background, and perhaps some of my perspectives on business with, uh, with your audience. Uh, I, uh, I was born and raised in Hong Kong. I'm a Hong Kong Chinese. I finished my uh, secondary school in Hong Kong and I went to the U.S. and I studied in the U.S. for undergraduate, master, Ph.D., MBA. Uh, went to both MIT and also later on to UC Berkeley. And, um, and then I, uh, I was recruited uh, in the U.S. by a strategy consulting firm called McKinsey Company. Right. Uh, it's a, Obviously, it's a very uh, well-renowned uh, professional organization. I was hired by the San Francisco office. And uh, and uh, and I start doing consulting. Um, I never really thought that I would, you know, really make strategy consulting or management consulting as my career when I first joined uh, McKinsey. But sure enough, um, thirty years later, I'm still doing it.
1: Right. <laughs> so, you, so you must <laughs> enjoy it then.
0: <laughs> Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show
2: Obviously, with. Uh, you Know with a different way, of course. You know, I'm running my own firm now, but yep. nonetheless, in the process, I you know, and then I um I returned to Hong Kong in uh, 1990, and in 1992, uh, really a breakthrough opportunity came to me. Uh, I was recruited by the Boston Consulting Group, which is essentially a competitor to McKinsey, mm, yeah, uh, uh, pre- preeminent uh, consulting firms. Uh, you know, BCG wanted. Uh, to open an office in Shanghai, in China actually,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, they decided to open office in Shanghai and they recruited me to, uh, to to run the office, to run actually to run the China business, and uh, of course, you know, it was almost an, an offer that I couldn't refuse mm-hmm. uh, given the opportunity. Of course, the nascency of consulting at that time in China uh, very much, uh, and therefore for me, it was um, Somewhat of the, uh, a trailblazing trial, uh, which is fine, which I, I, yeah. I really I, I look forward to. So I joined BCG and began. When, to-
1: sorry, when when was that? Did you say it was early 90s?
2: Yeah, that was, uh, you know, BCG started the office in January 1993 in Shanghai. Right.
1: Yeah. I was just going to say that, I mean, that's interesting because you say, uh, you know, it was very, the the idea of consulting in China was even quite nascent, but actually it would have been even. Incredibly early days for any uh, any business really uh, with an international outlook at those in, at that time.
2: Yeah, that make, in a way that makes the whole um, attempt uh, both uh, uh, quite uh, uh, daunting, mm. but also you know uh, very interesting, right? And yeah, 1992 was some of the watershed year for China. Uh, because uh, Deng Xiaoping, as you may remember actually Deng Xiaoping at that time he made by now a very famous visit to uh, to Shenzhen
0: yeah
2: uh, he was living in Beijing but he he, he went to Shenzhen and he made uh, a very uh, very famous speech, basically uh, reiterating the importance <coughs> of uh, China's need to continue to open and reform mm. and essentially, uh, was reminding the people in charge of uh, the administration uh, on the day-to-day basis, which were uh, Jiang Zemin and uh, uh, Li Peng at that time, mm-hmm. that uh, China should not, uh, you know, close close down but open up. And and that was that was a great time <laughs> because it really opened up a new era. So with that, actually, quite uh, <coughs> a number of foreign companies,
0: mm.
2: or the multinational companies, right? So because most of them are big. They yeah. came to. China. They began to explore China as a potential market to enter. So for us, that was a really good time because, you know, BCG, as you know, is a vast international network and partners around uh, around the world. You know, they have uh, respective clones. Many
0: mm-hmm. of them
2: were interested in exploring the China market, given the the opening policy by Deng Xiaoping. and uh, and and we were the only consulting firm, which had an authorized office in China.
0: Really? right?
2: And we were the first one and the only one for a little while. Of course, later on, of course, the other competitors also came in. Yeah. Give the, the demand of it. But nonetheless, you know, we were viewed as the pioneer. Uh, you know, we were very local. You know, I, mm. I, 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 I am a Chinese. We build a local team. Yeah. We also have some, you know, expatriates working with us. So, so you know. Had, we have good credibility, but nonetheless, opportunity really came. But was also very interestingly, uh, you know, because we're the pioneer in the market, and at that time, uh, China really had uh little clue about what you know what management or what stra- business strategy was all about. Because, mm. as you know, for a long time. China was organized as a planned economy, mm. and within the planned economy, you know, all the unit all operating units were SOEs, right, or state enterprises. Yeah. And as you know, uh, the notion of a SOE or the notion of an enterprise is fundamentally different than the notion of a company. Mm. And in fact, uh, China had no concept of what a company was until 1992, when the first draft company law came about. And that was the first time in China that the, the notion of a company was introduced. But it was very late nascent, very new. And so when people look at us and they say, "You know, what do you do?" Uh, we said, "You know, we provide advice on strategy and management." Yeah. And people have no clue what that means right.
0: because, right?
2: Because yeah. you know, for them, you know, they would be, they would be doing something. They would be making some kind of product, either a toothbrush. Or you know, or making a car or bicycle mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Yeah, that's the job. That's the that how they how people in China view so-called work is. and and the notion of professional services, the notion of providing advice, the notion of company strategy was so nascent, and uh, and people find very. Uh, very interesting, actually.
1: Very wow! Yeah, yeah. That is that is really interesting. I mean, it's really early days, actually. That you that you went up there. Do you know? I can I just share? I I moved to China in two thousand and three, yeah. and right before I left, I was working at Fairfax Digital, which is a media business, a heritage media business, but in the digital section, and. I quit my job and I was moving up there and the the CEO of the business actually said to me at the time, he stopped me, and it's interesting, he's ex-McKinsey as well, actually. Nigel, oh, okay. Nigel Jews was his name and he stopped me and he said to me and he said, you know what, you're making a really good decision moving up to China. And that was in 2003. He said, you know, this is your, your you know, China's, China is the future, now's the time to go. But that's interesting, you know, you were there a full 10 years even before that. And working consulting, and it must have been an incredible time to be there.
2: Very exciting, and uh, frankly, you know, I learned a great deal. Mm. Um, I, you know, I find working in China uh, is both giving, giving meaning, giving what we know, yep. especially not only through myself as an individual, but also through the institution uh, mm. with BCG. Right, and 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 at the same time, I I learned a lot, a great deal as well. Frankly, I learned a great great deal from the chinese uh, chinese entrepreneurs uh, as well as what the chinese government have been doing but yeah. i deal a lot with the chinese entrepreneurs uh, you know and and i learn a great deal from the way that they think the way they, they work and and so on so you know it's it's been a great you know give and take process over the last uh, yeah,
1: fantastic. 25 years by now right yeah what were some of the some of the things that you learned from those chinese entrepreneurs you, do you have any highlights you could share well,
2: actually, you know, in in the you know, I mentioned I I I started with BCG uh, in early 1993, uh, and uh, almost all of our fee paying business, our revenue generation business, were from the foreign multinationals,
0: right? But mm-hmm.
2: well, of course, you know, because we are the early days market cultivators, uh, so I did uh, also. A, a good share of my time, I spent a good share of my time in educating the the local market. So mm,
0: mm.
2: I went about to different places and you know really talk about business and strategy and so on. But of course, those are very nascent days. Um, but I already began to notice through my market development activities, either in a large setting or sometimes you know I was invited to talk to entrepreneurs on a one-to-one basis. Or some smaller group bases, I actually find that a lot of them were very, uh, very ambitious, mm. very, mm. very uh, intellectually, very curious, and a lot of them uh, were asking me questions such as, you know, tell me what what the best performing companies in my industry have been doing. You know, what was the secret to success? Great yeah, what question. is secret to success? Yeah, what 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 management Skills or management techniques? Did they uh, Did they develop? Did they possess? How can we learn, right, from these, you mm-hmm. know, the very best uh, companies in the world? I got a lot of questions, even in those early days, uh, and of course, you know, many of them didn't quite know what they were talking about. Their view on the world was perhaps a little bit limited, mm-hmm. a little bit primitive, and you know? but but nonetheless, that desire to to, to become very, very good, and in fact, the very best. It's very evident. And right. and that actually, in my view, is uh, one of the major reasons why we're seeing where China is today. Uh, a lot of people didn't quite understand it, as you know, and people yep. hope the mon- most with would uh, wow. Wow, China, you know, big, second largest economy in the world, whatever, whatever, right, you know? Mm. And, but actually, because of my own experience 25 years ago, I already saw the seeds of those, right? It, yeah. it, what China is today didn't just come about as, a, as an accident. Or, or it just, you know, somehow the planets get aligned and in China become great. It, it's not that, actually. It is actually due, in my view, to a lot of uh, the entrepreneurial spirit, as well as, of course, the direction by the uh, by the central government, but the uh, Chinese uh, entrepreneurs, Chinese people actually are, are very um, uh, tenacious. Mm. Uh, they are very uh, willing to learn, and uh, many of them embrace knowledge as the way to grow the business. Of course, in the process, there is also a lot of people who are you know who want to take shortcuts, people who want to make the living based on some kind of special relationship, maybe mm. with people with that kind of stuff. That happens in any country, as you know. Yep. I think the front end of the curve was already very clear, even twenty five years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And it it absolutely mirrors my experience as well. You know, I when I first landed in China, I I fully expected uh I don't know, that, you know, living and working in this communist country was going to be quite tough. And uh, you know, I, I think I I had a certain vision in my mind about what the experience was gonna be like and it was not like that at all. I found it to be an incredibly uh, entrepreneurial place, and I was I was shocked and surprised. And yeah, I, I completely agree. There is a tenacity and entrepreneurial spirit that just exists in in China. Right, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. So okay, great. So so then you you had this amazing experience working for Boston Consulting Group up there. Uh, was it from BCG that you then? Move to start your own firm, or was there something else on your path? No, I, I path? did.
2: Uh, I was <laughs> I was uh, also uh, hired by Busan Hamilton. Oh uh, right!
1: Oh God, you've done the
2: the. Four. Yeah, I, I did I did three <laughs> big, yeah. big firms, uh, yeah. but of course, McKinsey I was a, a little little bit, you know, associate. Uh, right. Yeah. My my role mean meant nothing for McKinsey, but uh, PCG I was a part. I was the managing partner for China for a little, for a while. Right. I, at Bruce Island, I became, uh, uh, later on, I became the Cine, a senior partner, a global senior partner, and also uh, the chairman for Greater China. And, right. And, uh, and I spent something like 15 years at, uh, at Bruce Island until four years ago. And, and I started my own firm, Gaofeng Advisory Company.
1: Right, right. And what was the motivating decision for you to decide to start your own firm?
2: I think the time has come. Uh, By the way, you know, I I think my my profession perhaps is somewhat different than many of the other people who is doing startups. Because, you know, by definition, a lot of people doing startup they they may be doing you know some technology startup, maybe making some gadgets, some products, and so on.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, I in a way I, you know, I I continue to do uh, the same profession, which is uh, strategy consulting, management consulting. But I do it in the, uh, perhaps the, with, with a different way, with, with a different vehicle. Um, it's not that, you know, I said, you know, like perhaps some other people who work for a large organization a long time, they get sick of working for other people and they say, well, you know, why don't I become my own boss? You know, of mm-hmm. course, you know, there are some of those kind of people around. But for me, the major motivation was that, um, you know, as I, by definition, I work in China every day. I work with a larger number of clients. Multinationals, uh, Chinese SOEs, private companies, public sector, the private sector, and that kind of stuff. And uh, I, I, I uh, you know, I began to notice that actually, China is become fast becoming a real innovative uh, economy. Mm. And innovation comes in all forms and shapes and so on. And it, it's not just you know one or two companies who creating some kind of tricks and then all of a sudden become very successful. It's a phenomenon. It's a generational, uh, in fact, it's a cross-generational,
0: mm.
2: which I think is going to continue to last. And, and uh, in, in, our, in my view, which is the, the real basis for my optimism for the future of China, is because uh, of the generation, uh, generational awareness by the young people in China on entrepreneurship. And the opportunities, that entrepreneurship and innovation present to them.
1: Yeah, right, right.
2: But yeah. but in that process, in my profession, you know, given that we are so called strategy consulting,
0: our mm-hmm. uh,
2: consultants, and we try to help our clients to, to, to tackle uh, the the toughest uh, strategy and management issues. Uh, to us, thought leadership, thought leadership or, or knowledge is the key, uh, and and. Uh, uh for a long time, since I, I started doing work with BCG in China, and along the whole time, you know, uh, the, the, the intellectual frameworks that we rely upon to help our clients in China were all borrowed from the West.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: From the major consulting firms, BCG, Booz Allen, McKinsey, and so on, uh, major academics uh, organizations, big, you know, business schools, famous professors, and so on. But, 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 very, actually, very early on, I already noticed, and, and clients do tell me, the Chinese clients do tell me that some of this framework actually don't quite apply to China, right. and nobody quite figure out why that's the case, mm-hmm. and it bugs me a long time. And then, but over time, I began to figure out. I begin to figure out actually that in a fast moving environment, an environment which is full of innovation and disruptions, like China and for the matter in you know in parts of the USA, that actually a new way of thinking about business, at least a strategy approach, has been has developed. But nobody talked about it so far. Not in the big consulting firms, not in the mainstream academics, mainstream professional organizations. Mm-hmm. Even at Bruce Island, where I was a senior partner. You know, the, the the major way of thinking is still, quote-unquote, at least in my, my view, quite traditional, right. quite um, not applicable in a fast-developing and innovative environment like China. And, and you know, I, I, it's, not, it's not a criticism, but many of my colleagues in other parts of the world couldn't quite understand it because they live in the U.S., they live in Germany. They, you know, it's difficult for them to understand and so for me, I, 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 I believe that it is now time for us to create a leading professional organization which is thought leadership driven, uh, a preeminent organization which is rooted in China. Mm. And it shouldn't be rooted in New York City right. or London. Yeah. Or Düsseldorf, off, right? Yeah. You know, it's okay, you know, obviously we those those many of those organizations are great, uh, they're historical and huge and so on, they make a lot of contribution. But now it's time for China to have its representative on the global basis. That, that, you know, that China because China is now the source for the new newest and the cutting edge yeah. intellectual inspirations, mm-hmm. we need somebody to carry that evangelism. Yeah, to, yeah. To, to, to to codify that, to evangelise that, introduce that to the rest of the world because uh, in a way, you know, it's so important. The rest of the world will need to understand China and for the matter, innovation much better.
1: And so, th- yeah, that that's incredibly interesting actually. And then, So you talk about a new way of thinking that's being developed uh, in this market because uh, everything's moving at such a pace and the level of innovation is intense and high. What, what is it that's different? So you talk about traditional thinking and then the China way of thinking. At the, at the core of it, what is the difference?
2: Well, at the core of it, you know, in the, in the Western world, even now today, but since 30 years ago, the advice by the academics, by the consulting firms, and also, in a way, the demand from the capital market to the business executive is that you need to build your business based on your strength. Mm-hmm. In management jargon, they call it core competence or capabilities. You build your business based on what you good at, right? Yep. And keep on doing it, and keep on doing it until you're the very best, right? It sounds right, right? You know, of course, you know, of course, you need to build your business based on your strength, right? Of course. Why? Why shouldn't you? Why? why, why should you not do that? Mm-hmm. Um, the the context of that uh, my that kind of way of thinking was a relatively static environment, relatively static environment. Therefore, the environmental changes did not quite figure into this kind of uh, point of view. And therefore, given things are you know, bit static and you focus on what you do and you do optimization all the time, that's great. But in uh, places like China in the last few years, things evolved very quickly, in particular with the uh, pe- increasing the prevalence of technology, in particular since the introduction of the smart device, as you know, 10 years ago by Apple, um, I think that really changed the world, in, in particular China. And as you know, everybody is hooked on the smart device,
0: mm.
2: uh, or connected. And of course, today is not only about you know, the wireless internet, also about the internet of things, artificial intelligence, also other new ideas. The, the merging of technology and the rise of China, the, the quick pace of change, really uh 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 catalyzing uh, catalyzing a new way of thinking of business which is a which is the combination of looking at opportunities, fast developing opportunities mm. and also your own core competence. You know, in, in many cases the Chinese entrepreneurs, you know, once they build a business, they may build some core competence. But the core competence that they build maybe may not be enough to for them to capture the new opportunities that prop up along the way, right, mm-hmm. and you just mm-hmm. really the gaps. Because remember, the core competence theory that the mainstream Western people has been using for the last two years was that, you know, having core competence is the, the starting point. That's the precondition for you to think about strategy. Yeah. But Chinese entrepreneurs, the most successful one, including Alibaba, Tencent, and so on, they would say, well, yeah, core competence is good, but I don't need to have all the core competence needed to b- before I decide to jump over or not for a new opportunity. Right. And in fact, in almost all cases, they would jump over, give it a try, and and build a business and close the capability gaps along the way.
1: Right.
2: And so yeah. Interesting. You know, because of that speed and uh, you know you need to do it fast, you need to capture the you need to create the market, capture the market share and so on. Oftentimes, these companies, they would form partnerships. They would Mm -hmm. form now a very famous term or very widely used term in management, which is called ecosystems
0: Mm -hmm. ecosystems
2: or platforms, right? Mm -hmm. Now these companies build ecosystems and they invite other companies to come in to work with them so that they they can uh, leverage each other's capabilities on a complementary basis so that they, together they have the needed capabilities to compete in the new opportunities. Right. And that's what I call jumping. You jump from one business to another business and jump, 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 jump. And along the way, you build scale. You build uh, ecosystems. Uh, in fact, for the bigger, biggest companies in China today, they build mega ecosystems, multiple ecosystems. It's like, it's like the, uh, you know, the universe, you know, multiple universe theory. Mm. And they do that. Uh, whereas the Western companies usually are not not good, great doing that. The Western theory companies, based on the Western theory, uh, many of them tend to be much more vertical, much more I call it vertical, more more narrowly focused right. on every area. Right. So if you're a cook, or yep. you're Coke Polar, you make Coke. You know what else? I mean what else? You you may make some water, some juice, and so. on, But you make beverage. You you don't. You don't think about going into banking, or you know, you don't make a mining machine. That's not your core competence, right? Mm, mm. But 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 if you t- look at the portfolio or ecosystem, that you know someone like Alibaba and Tencent and Bill, they dabble into a lot of areas, but of course, all custom, all, all consumer facing. And but they're not conglomerate. They're not random conglomerates. They through the through the jumping from one to another to you know multiple jumping they actually still maintain the core. The core is the, where the, the origin is. For, for Alibaba, for example, it will be e-commerce. Yep. So even today, they, they dabble into a lot of different businesses. They have multiple ecosystems, 500 billion US dollars in valuation, one of the largest market cap companies in the world. They still maintain the core. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's, that's the secret of success. And this kind of approach is also being practiced uh, by few but the very best American companies like Amazon, actually Amazon.com, I think Jeff Bezos is actually the pioneer in doing this.
0: Right. And
2: as you know, today Amazon is also one of the top market cap companies in the world. Yeah. Jeff Bezos is apparently the wealthiest guy in the US or in the world. I don't know. People yeah. say that. Yeah. But nonetheless, he's very successful and he's, he's also the, he's also a master in doing that. But the Chinese are also doing it very well. And, and uh, again, this backdrop, um, when I look at my, my, my previous firms, BCG, Buzon, and McKinsey, um, the, the mainstream thinking on business and strategy was still the mainstream thinking of business and strategy since 30 years ago. Mm, mm. This way of thinking has not been developed at all. Uh, nobody was, very few people was even aware of it. And even if they're aware of it, they brush it aside and say, well, you know, this is what we think about it, you know. Yeah, in and it's... A,
0: mm.
2: In Buzhan, they called it capabilities-driven strategy. You know, so if you look at the nomenclature, you know, cap- capabilities-driven strategy, meaning capabilities is the precondition. Mm. Mm. Right? Yeah, You have to have capabilities so capabilities can drive your strategy. But these Chinese entrepreneurs and Jeff Bezos was not saying that. They were saying that opportunities... No, so Strategy is the combination of opportunities and capabilities. I need to I need to optimize. I I need to 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 compare the opportunities and my capabilities, and how can I build ecosystems to help me to fill the capabilities? Right. If I yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: That's We're a very different notion.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's really interesting. I mean, that's a fantastic summary. That makes a lot of sense. And actually, for you know. I live in work in Asia or across different Asian markets what you're talking about actually this really this makes sense this is what we 're seeing everywhere yes yeah. you know identify the opportunity build the capability uh, to uh, to run after that opportunity and right. and then also of course the ecosystems that you that you' Speaking about as well, you know, look for the opportunities to partner and collaborate uh, in order to, I guess, both build out the capability in your team, but also just leverage the capability of your partners to be able to uh, let you chase after those opportunities as well. Yeah, it's a great summary. Yeah. Uh, So really interesting. Then, so this this thinking you're talking about it being driven out of China. How are you seeing that gain traction in other markets across Asia as well?
2: Well, as you said, you know, it is somewhat of a in the Asian DNA as well, right? It's, you know, it's you know, including in Southeast Asia, but also in India and other places. You know, it's it's somewhat in the Asian DNA. You know, opportunities,
0: mm.
2: go, go find them, build their capabilities. But before technology became prevalent, uh, people were doing it on a on a conglomerate basis, right? You know, the most even the most successful businessmen or people, you know, they were they were quite, um, what should I say, you know, they, they were quite, Some you know, sometimes they, they were opportunistic. But with technology, actually, it, it, it changed the game, because technology allows you to jump over, but with technology as the major linchpin. And and so I, I think we're now seeing that uh, some of these Chinese leading disruptors, in particular Tencent and Alibaba, mm-hmm. are beginning to go outside, in particular to go to Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they may have you know, bought up some uh, Southeast Asian companies or partnering with them, or some Southeast Asian companies were copying or, you know, learning from the business approach from, from these leading Chinese companies, and they create their own uh, business model and so on. And, and so we begin to see, you know, uh, the shadows of these Chinese entrepreneurship and their business models uh, across uh, in many parts in Southeast Asia. Uh, we're seeing that already now.
1: Yeah. yeah, really interesting. I mean, you know, here in Singapore, certainly we can see Alibaba buying up a number of different businesses, e-commerce businesses here, uh, yes. local, local businesses that had started here in Singapore and, and in other markets across Southeast Asia as well. Yeah, uh, but yeah so look, that is really interesting and thanks for giving that background because I can understand now then how that thinking led to, okay, it's time to start my own firm and really fly the flag of uh Chinese led innovation thinking so what I would love, yeah. love to hear a bit more about now so then so you've decided to set up your firm uh, maybe if you can just talk us through you know where you've set up uh, uh, you know starting it scaling it uh, maybe just take us through that journey a little bit
2: yeah you know um, in a way my, my attempt is perhaps somewhat different than some other people's with attempt because a lot of people try something entirely different. For me, as I mentioned, is somewhat of a continuation of what I've been doing, but mm. I try to do it in a different way, a new way. Uh, and so I started uh, uh, with three offices, uh, because I think we need three offices to really uh, cover the market well. So we have oh, Hong right. Kong, yeah. Shanghai, Beijing. Uh, and uh, I was very fortunate that, you know, uh, a, a, num- a, a few uh, senior people from Bruce Island, also came over to join me and work with me and partner with me to uh, to co lead the, the, the firm uh, and and uh, and then you know we build we recruit uh, from uh, from the very brightest uh, young people and and we build a team and in the meantime we also get I also get a lot of support from people that I I, I know many of them my my former clients who may be retired or semi retired. Uh, some of my former partners at Blue Island and BCG again, you know, they may be retired or on their own now. And, uh, you know, they agreed to help on a, you know, on a as-needed basis. Mm. So, so I got a core team uh, of, of people who are, you know, on the, on the payroll, but I also have an extended team who are uh, not on the payroll, but we are, we're working on a collaborative basis.
1: Right, right. So a group of freelancers, if you will.
2: Yeah. 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 In 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 extended shell, but the core is uh, is all full time.
1: Yeah, right, right. So it sounds like some of the issues that maybe some of the other founders that I'm speaking to about starting and scaling a business are not necessarily something that you've faced because, as you said, you've you've uh, moved from an area that you already know very well. You have a very well established network. Uh, setting up three yeah. three offices at the same time that that does sound like a challenge. Though uh, setting up a a team over, a, you know, a large geographic area uh, at the same time. Were there any issues with that when you first started getting it no, going?
2: I did that before, of course, with BCG and Buzan, right? And so I'm familiar with the process. <coughs> uh, and you know, it it is almost a, like a minimum footprint that we need to have because China is uh, physically is a large place. Yeah. Clients are, are over, uh, but but they're clusters. So right? clusters in Shanghai, clusters in Beijing in southern part of China, so we need to have this footprint to at least to cover the basis.
1: Yeah, right right. So have you uh, in your experience over the last few years since starting the business, you know what challenges have you faced uh, in terms of you know if we think about uh, lessons that maybe you can share for other people who might be thinking about uh, moving from professional services or other types of businesses that they already work in, other types of services businesses and starting firms? Is there anything that, uh, any lessons that you might want to share with them?
2: Um, actually, um, the transition has been pretty smooth. Uh, and I'm very blessed right, with that. Yeah, great. Uh, you know, we got, or I got a lot of uh, support from my clients. Uh, many of the old clients moved over. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, you know, say I didn't steal them, right? You know, right. It, it yeah. just, <laughs> that, it's just a natural progression, a transition. And I created the, quite a number of new clients as well. Uh, and I, I think that's, that's, that's critical because for a long time, even when I was at BCG, I learned it from BCG, I learned, uh, sorry, I learned it from McKinsey, learned it from BCG, yep. and later also, of course, learned it from Bruce Allen, that from early days, I knew that thought leadership is key to what we do. Thought leadership meaning coming up with ideas yes. and knowledge.
0: Yep.
2: And also, I'm not afraid to disseminate the ideas and knowledge to other people. Uh, at 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 the firm I formed, I I have uh, because you know I I had less need to worry about or to, to spend the time on uh, administrative issues. You know, at, at big firms like Allen, mm. by definition, a lot of time uh, by senior people like myself was spent not only on the client issues or immediate. Administration issues. A lot of time I respond on secondary administration issues, like what happened to the firm. Well, you know, in a smaller firm like Gaofeng, uh, I have more time now to to do what I think is necessary because I, I didn't need to spend as much time on administrative issues uh, as compared to when I was uh, in a big firm like Brusar.
0: Mm.
2: Because in big firm, you know, a senior partner like myself had to spend time on not only on the client issues. Not only on the primary administrative issues, but a lot of times on the secondary administrative issues. By secondary administrative issues, I mean uh, working with the rest of the partnership across the world on global issues, uh, global governance issues, global business issues, people issues, policies, and so on. Right? Mm. That's just the responsibility, a part of the responsibility of a, of a senior partner. Uh, and, and that's a given, and I need to fulfill that. But of course, in a startup organization like Galfong, I didn't need to worry about that. We, we don't have global issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we are. And, and so I could spend more time on doing what I think is critical, which is actually on market development. Market development meaning uh, develop thought leadership, codify it, disseminate it, uh, and tell people, and in the process, of course, you know is is also a part of brand building. Right? Yes, a, a brand building. absolutely.
1: Yeah. And, so so, that's what and how do you do that? How do you uh, uh, pull it together and then disseminate it? What sort of channels do you use to to distribute that thought leadership and get your brand out there?
2: I, I do multiple channels. You know, we we have uh, you know, of course, some internal publications, uh, but but increasingly they're less important. It. Uh, it Uh, Internally branded publications, which is sent to uh, the clients, but but it's it's becoming less important. Uh, I work frequently with some media, uh, pretty famous media like South China Morning Post, like um, Nikai uh, Asian Review. Right. And and, uh, work with them, and (laughs) I I publish and write them. I write books. Uh, I've written four books two Chinese, two English. Uh, The books really help. Uh, as you know, yep. uh, I, I, I also write in uh, both English and Chinese and Chinese I also got regular columns and I can write in both languages equally well. Mm. Uh, uh, and I, I'm invited all the time by uh, both clients, but also by uh, conference organizations right. to go to people about China and particular Chinese innovation and entrepreneurship. Right. Yeah. And so that's what I do. Yeah. I spend a lot of time doing this kind of stuff.
1: So can I ask? Do you identify as the brand? Are you effectively Gaofeng? How do you think? Uh,
2: you know, yeah, it's you sort can, of what's the perception in
1: market about that?
2: One can say, yeah, I, I say that is uh, more or less the case. But at the same time, we do have a very strong senior team. You know, they are also very good. Uh, we got very strong. Uh, you know, people with also very strong profile. But but in a way. Uh, I do carry the coffin brand, uh, perhaps the
1: most. Yeah, and particularly with, the, you know, such strong media presence, then that's bound to be the case. You've got an existing profile and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So any any tips for other founders on how they can continue to build out their media presence, maybe thinking back about, about your journey? Uh, was there anything that you can, you know, that you did that you might be able to share? Well,
2: I... I, I can only advise, you know, based on my own narrow uh, territory, which is strategy consulting, because I think every sector is somewhat different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, I think, in my case, uh, obviously, it, it, it didn't just happen overnight. It it was a gestation of uh, learning, development over the years with uh, some of the world's leading organizations, and I learned a great deal, you know, with McKinsey, with BCG and Booz Allen, and You know, the learning and the cross-learning actually uh, is tremendous. Uh, uh, At the same time, I also learned from early days when I was at McKinsey that you need to really, uh, you need to be, you need to be a real thought leader. And and I couldn't quite understand what that meant uh, until when I said, you know, I came back to China, work in China, get to know the Chinese entrepreneurs, the China context, and, and then I be, begin to, to, to observe, right, this empirical evidence that I mentioned. And then I begin to begin to talk about it and write about it. And uh, and 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 then I go and talk to people. Mm. And some people say, Yeah I agree. Some people say I don't agree and and every time you give me a learning a feedback process, right? Some from, from that feedback and I fine tune it again, right? And and before you know it it becomes almost an you know and uh, it happens, right? It, it becomes part of you. you. You internalize that. And, and you be, it, it becomes a natural part of what you do. So today, you know, you know, I, I, uh, it takes me like 30, se- 30 minutes to write a, a reasonable length uh, op-ed for South China Morning Post, for example.
1: Right. Yeah. I, don't,
2: yeah. I don't need to have any research or, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, I, I don't need to hire a ghostwriter to write an op-ed. Uh, I do it myself. But of course, you know, I, I start with an outline, key points, uh, you know, on some data points, I, I, I wouldn't know everything, so I ask my researchers to help me to collect data, uh, help me to, to get the specific data, but I write it, write the whole thing out uh, based on, you know, the inputs, and I have a line editor who help me to line, it, to line edit my, my language,
1: right. yep that's the It's very efficient. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, because so much of doing this type of work is actually it's about setting the right process in place. You know, I, I work with a lot of clients yeah. in my business on helping them set up and devise their content marketing strategies, whether it's for building their own personal brand or that of their business. And the biggest challenge, without a doubt, is consistency. It's actually yeah. getting people to sit down and and create that content and, yeah. and continue to publish. So, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, so look, I want to ask you, to, you know, clearly your core capability is absolutely strength in management and strategy consulting built through years of experience through some of the best brands in the world, best consulting brands in the world. You know, and you were talking before about, uh, you know, this innovation culture in China and these businesses, you know, they they identify opportunities and then they they through partnerships can leverage those those opportunities and then build the capability. Have you thought about moving into something because you must come across so many interesting market opportunities in your work you must be seeing it all the time. Have you thought oh there's something that we want to go into that's outside of the management consulting sphere?
2: Well actually in a way uh, in Gaofeng uh, my own firm we already dabble into others, somewhat other stuff compared to the boundaries at the BCG or Busan. Uh, you know, I am also doing uh, in addition to strategy uh, management consulting, I'm also doing some uh, M&A advisory, mergers uh, and acquisition advisory. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm also dabbling into some kind of uh, startups. Uh, you know, investing or co-investing in the startups as well. And so, in a way, you know that. A small firm also gave me that flexibility to try something else.
0: Yeah, right. Um, yeah.
2: In in between my careers, uh, in fact, I, I did spend two years in a corporation in the early 2000s. I was recruited to become the, the managing partner for China for uh, Hong Kong Telecom and also the, mm, right. the, the at the same time the, the head of strategy, the, the, the EVP for strategy. And, um, uh, but, uh, in about a year or so after I joined, uh, the company was acquired by PCCW, Pacific
0: mm.
2: uh, Century Cyberworks. And I, I just didn't, I, I, just didn't work for, I didn't want to work for that company. So I, I returned to consulting. Uh, and, and so essentially I tried corporate. Uh, and if I look at my experiences, uh, I think consulting really, really suits me better. Uh, at the same time you know with the small of my own firm I also can dabble into other things uh, and, yeah. and so I, I think I would consider my role today is both a, a consulting profession uh, you know a, a, a consultant mm-hmm. at the same time I'm also uh, somewhat of an investor uh, in a, a early stage investor I uh, also you know on a part time basis I do I do teach uh, I'm uh, I'm a Zhang professor at uh, Chinese University of Hong Kong, and also f- quite a few other universities ask me to help to teach as well. So I also do that. Right. So for me, my time is quite, uh, quite, quite balanced actually, quite, quite diversified, uh, quite interesting actually. And uh, what, what keeps me uh, working still, in my view, is this overall idea and pursuit that. Uh, the Chinese innovation or the innovation from, from China is for real. It's, it's disrupting not only China, but also many other parts of the world. It's, China is becoming an inspiration for intellectual thought leadership and not just a copycat uh, nation. Uh, it's become actually a generator of thought leadership. Mm-hmm. And needs mm-hmm. it, somebody to talk about that because no, almost no one else in the world knows this. It's kind of scary, quite interesting. It, but yeah. Because okay. as you know, I mean most people say, you no know, know China is big, a lot of capital, you know, big organizations, big companies and whatever, right? But but the, the acknowledgement is almost all on the hard power. There's very little acknowledgement of soft power. Uh, oh. but I think the soft power is, is there, in particular in what we're talking about in entrepreneurship and also on the newest way of uh, thinking about business strategy, it, it just needs somebody to talk about. It. So that's I feel that is somewhat of my own mission.
0: Yeah.
2: And at the same time, you know, I am also quite commercial. I, I I enjoy getting the area that I feel you know I can I can be successful as well. You know, work mm. help clients to be successful. Getting very com- a lot of compliments from the clients. Clients come back to me over and over and, and over again. Um, when I write something, I go go a, a speech, go give a speech. People, you mm. know, give give me very good feedback, and felt I really helped them with the insights. And those are, you know, very invaluable feedback. Yeah, and yeah. I, I see so this good part of my
1: job. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. Do you know, I think, you know, I, I I lived and worked in China for five years, and now I've been in Singapore for the last five years as well. I've never heard it summarized so well what What it is that 's different, you know what 's coming out of China, the level of innovation thinking, and I, I think it 's brilliant that you 're the the champion for this, so thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on this today it 's been really insightful, and you know congratulations on on your journey as well because you know it certainly sounds like you 've had a dream run in terms of starting the firm and uh, wish you all the best of luck with that. So thanks very much for your time today, Edward.
2: Thank you, Jody. Nice talking to you. Thank you. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.